0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you to the exciting topic we have to share with you today. It's called What's Happiness Got to Do with Business? And this is something that has a profound effect on how we work and how we affect those around us, which I'll tell you more about in a moment. But before that, let me just say that if you're tuned into the Business Creators Radio Show, you're probably one of the following types of business creators. The first type are entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. The second type are marketing and business coaches. The third are folks who help others build their businesses and win at the game of business and marketing. These can be designers, they can be strategists, they can be implementers. Those who by doing their work help others win at the game of business and marketing is what we call our business creators. And the fourth category, Are do-it-yourselfers who run your own businesses, handle your own marketing, and just love to have your own hands on the lever. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also take a moment, subscribe to us on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. So for today, as I said, we're going to be talking about what's happiness got to do with it? What's happiness got to do with business? Plenty. Here's the thing. In recent years, researchers have come to see that happiness is more than just a feeling. A lot of times when we hear the phrase happiness, we think, oh, this is going to be something foo-foo. What does this have to do with driving traffic to my website, which is a phrase that listeners of the business creators show know that I really don't like. The state of being happy or content has a profound effect on how we work and how we affect those around us. See, when you run a business, whether you have a team or you're a solopreneur, whether you have a bricks and mortar establishment, or whether you're running an online business and have virtual team members who support you, your attitude has a strong effect on how productive you are and how productive they are. When you have a team that manages it strongly, affects your team members. And unhappy team members mean a loss in productivity and profit. So many times I have heard from entrepreneurs who have said I'm trying so hard to find a web designer. I'm trying so hard to find a VA. I'm trying so hard to find somebody to run my social media, but it seems like they all quit after 30 days and none of them live up to their promises and I'm tired of spending money. I'm just going to do it myself. And it's very unfortunate that we see people get there, and what we want to do today is we want to look at some of the reasons why this may be happening and give you some strategies to help you turn things around and move things in the other direction and be one of those business creators who has a team working for you or be the business creator who has the clients who you have been working with where you have relationships, five, six, seven, eight years like I have with some of my clients. Keeping a workplace positive, keeping a business environment positive, upbeat, and a fun place to be is crucial to growing your business. And I'm very, very happy with us today to have with us internationally renowned happiness expert, Kita Spock. And she's going to reveal her tips for happiness in the workplace and just how important it really is. So before we bring Keita on here, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She's, uh, As I said, she's a happiness expert, author, and speaker who co-wrote a book called Tipping Point to Happiness in 2010, which was just a couple years ago. The book earned her the title of one of the top 50 authors on theauthorsshow.com. She also blogged for Jennings Wire with her column Straight Talk on Happiness. Her latest book, which is called The Simple Life, Shiny Objects Not Required is now available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, as well as on her website, which is kitaspach.com, spelled K I T A S P Z A K.com. When she's not writing, you'll usually find Kita outside running because she's a marathoner. Kita, uh, do we have you on the line?
1: We sure do, Adam. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm the one that's honored by your presence with us today because this is something that I've run into many, many, many times. I hear people grousing in discussion groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn saying, you know, I would like to finally find somebody who will actually do the job or who won't quit on me. Why is it that there are no good people out there? And I think the truth is there are a lot of good people out there. I think there are some environments we need to work on here. So but before we get into all that, before we dive in, what I'd like to do is just take a real quick step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. So just tell us a little bit about your background and what's brought you to where you are today as a happiness expert helping entrepreneurs and business creators.
1: Oh, well, that's a great introduction, Adam. So here goes. Um, my background is in publicity, public relations, uh, writing. Uh, so, professionally speaking, I've been involved in the public world and, and with not for profits, with corporations, and w- in the public sector, Adam. Uh, I've helped businesses. I've helped uh, primarily, to been involved in entertainment publicity. So, I've been uh, surrounded by artists, um, dancers, painters, writers. So that the creative juices have been around me all through my professional life and they perhaps have had a, a tremendous effect in what drives me to be the person that I can be. That being said, um, and usually it is some kind of a crisis or a turning point or climax that occurs in one's life that causes someone to sort of sit back and go, oops, there's something not right here and that happened with me um, first of all I was in a number of toxic working environments uh, couldn't seem to fit in and ended up leaving those environments uh, either by volition or being asked asked to leave because I was laid off so already there were things happening in my surroundings that were prompting me to think hmm what's going on here and then uh, ultimately uh, I was unhappy. I left a relationship, and from that point on, I I thought, look, happiness is not finding me. So what's going on here? And I took the road for about four, five, six years to research the areas of neuroscience, positive psychology, mysticism, uh, religion, philosophy, all those things, Adam, in order to understand a little bit better about this whole notion of happiness and where I fit into this whole game plan. And the big thing here is, uh, in becoming a, a happiness expert, uh, the point of the matter is that happiness is derived from in, from within. And once someone is aware of that and what drives them, then they can best speak to those issues that are outside of themselves to be able to to get on that plane where they finally feel content or happy. So there you go.
0: That's a very great story, and thank you very much for sharing that with us. It's kind of funny. We all come from different backgrounds, and it's some of those lessons we learn along the way that we don't think are going to have any impact on us later on. I mean, I've been an entrepreneur for, you know, 11 years now full time, and there are things that were milestones along the way, even before that, that I, at the time I dismissed as something that, well, once I get into entrepreneurship, this no longer matters, but now I'm thinking, oh, hey, these are some pretty good lessons. Now, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies that help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything except time and money. This is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show. And what I'm very impressed by, and the reason I ask this question of every single one of our guest experts, is because we get such a variety, not only in the responses, but also in the interpretation of the question. So how do uh, factors of time and money apply to creating and finding happiness in business in the workplace?
1: Well, certainly, um, to to be speaking about money, first of all, we'll speak about money before time. Uh, Money, Adam, is not the reason people are necessarily happy. Money can make people feel more comfortable, but money in an end to itself is not going to make people happy. That being said, those of you out there who have hirees, who have employees, the way to engage them, the way to make them happier is not to offer them a higher salary. Um, Obviously, merit pay or or bonuses and that kind of thing, those things come into play when that person or persons are acknowledged because they've done a project successfully or they've driven a campaign to uh, greater profitability. In that case, where you see the correlation between acknowledgement and reward, therefore money is, is, is offered, There, you see money has a definite connection to that sense of reward or or acknowledgement, which is one of the reasons that people are happy. So that money in and of itself, an end in itself, is not um, something that will make somebody happy. And we can get into this a little further as we go along in our conversation, Adam. Right. In terms of time, and here I may be a bit biased, I believe... That once somebody is aware of what they want in life and who they are in life, and of course, these, kind of, these kinds of decisions emanate from the internally, from you going and doing a self assessment, figuring out what your uh, values are, your belief system, and then doing a removal and adaptation, a changing. Once that occurs, you then naturally, by virtue of who you are and what you want to do, will realize that time, in fact, is is a great gift, that time, in fact, um, you owe time yourself in order to fulfill your purpose or your objective or your goal, having gone through that process I just talked about. So if I were going to say right. that time is important to one's happiness, it would be an absolute yes.
0: Right. You know, I... I heard somebody say something, and I thought this was actually kind of funny. They say that money can't buy you happiness, but you're going to be a lot more comfortable crying behind the wheel of a Corvette than on a bicycle. And and, and they're, they're, I think there is something to that. I've always viewed money as a toll, not a goal, where money solves a lot of the problems that get in the way of happiness, such as feelings of scarcity, feelings that you're just barely getting by, that you don't have the opportunity to really do for others because you're having a hard time doing for yourself. Your own survival needs, your own fitness needs, your own nourishment needs are not being met. And I think that's all very true. And uh, but at the same time, as we go into this, we're, we're also going to see that just simply throwing money at the problem and paying people more. Uh, I've seen this in virtual team environments. Uh, you know, we We're gonna talk about the workplace, we're also gonna talk about the virtual team environments, and, uh, and, I, and I've you know, seen cases where people have said, you know, I, I pay this person 25% more than their rate, And they're still not coming through for me. Well, there's a reason why that other person is not motivated. It's, I mean, you could probably throw 200% times their rate at them and they still wouldn't care or they still wouldn't deliver because there's another problem and that's what we're going to cover today. So as a preface to that, and I think this is kind of a starting at the beginning question because I think it kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen as we're working with somebody, whether it's in a workplace or on a virtual team. What's more important in hiring? their skill set, or their attitude and state of contentment?
1: Well, Adam, that's an excellent question, and and it will sometimes surprise those uh, listeners out there who perhaps haven't had the exposure yet to the quantifiability and the quality of happiness. And it is known, and it has been studied, that hiring someone with a skill set that is desirable but with someone who has a negative attitude, Adam, can absolutely um, infect and influence uh, the workplace in a very negative way. So that statement being said, my first counsel recommendation to any of you who are looking to hire, you look at the state of mind of the person. What is their attitude? What is their enthusiasm level? How optimistic are they? have they talked about being thankful at all in the course of an interview? And that may be that you would set up questions in such a way to perhaps say something like this Great day out there, isn't it? And the right. answer the employer or the, the prospective employee may say is, Well, gee, it's been raining for three days. Or conversely, they may say, yeah it's been raining but you know what it's supposed to be sunny tomorrow do you see the difference in the mindset there
0: right right you, you know what uh, it's just so funny what you were talking about because I was uh, I was glancing on our on our Facebook here and I saw somebody post a picture and it shows uh, it shows a, an executive sitting behind his desk and he has one of his employees this guy looks like he's probably like a senior vice president or something standing in front of the desk and The guy standing in front of the desk has the F word, like F-U, written on his necktie, and then the caption underneath says, the word around the office is, you have an attitude problem.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, just one of those little
0: coincidences.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, and if we were going to delve into this a little bit more, um, Adam – We would find out the following. If anyone out there was wondering, well, gee, you know, they don't know how to. Uh, Obviously, you're not going to hire somebody who has no skill sets for a particular job. But skills, especially if that person is predisposed to learning, and you can find that out in an interview, is actually enthusiastic about getting the job. In other words, they have the characteristics to want to learn. Then, The skill is easier to teach than it is to actually try to convert somebody or guide somebody from a pessimistic or a negative attitude to one that is positive.
0: Right, Right. so actually there is a question I have to ask uh, uh, now and I'm not sure whether you're going to have the answer for this now or there's something we want to develop over the rest of our time together here, but this is, as I mentioned before, what I hear so often being a problem uh, when it comes to entrepreneurial ventures, whether they're virtual ventures or whether they're brick and mortar or whether they're the kind of do both. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to pick on one particular type of business creator, one type of service provider, and I've and I said myself so many times that this is two-sided. In fact, we're going to explore why that's a, a two-way street. But so often we hear that, you know, for the fifth time, my web designer has disappeared when I need them and I can't do anything. Uh, why is it that it seems like I can't find a good – designer Uh, i've hired them i've fired them and they all turn out to be people who just take your money and not deliver the goods and i hardly think that that's true because i have a lot of friends who are web designers i have web designers who tune into this show every week and i know they're kind of tired of hearing that because they know it's not true
1: it isn't true adam and the, the fact of the matter is if any of you now examine that statement that adam has said oh, you know, they're just all the same, they all just want their money, and then they take off. That statement in itself is an absolute. And an absolute in business, in life, in relationships, you name it, is dangerous. Because what it's doing is it is automatically doing an us-them, it's doing a black-white, it's doing a yes-no, it's doing a wrong-right. That's what absolutes do. Uh, categorize in that vein and so there is absolutely no room for maneuverability or for relativity Uh, and and in that respect Adam if somebody even says that kind of a statement to you as a a, even a colleague an employer uh, you got to back off Uh, I mean I'd be very ready to go I don't really want to do business with you if you right are if you are this type of an individual that you automatically label and you don't need and, and the label itself is derogatory. It's a negatively charged statement.
0: Right. And, right. And that's where I that's where I thought you were going to go with this because it lays such a foundation for failure. Uh, there have been times and we have to go back to like two thousand Six 2007 because I started in the web design industry before we founded Help My Website Sell, which is a consulting company, and I remember having to bring on these clients, and it seemed like all they could do was complain about their previous web people, and I started to notice a trend. There would be reasons why we would need to contact that previous web person and I'm bracing because I had to get information from them uh, and, um, and I'd be bracing myself thinking oh goodness I am about to deal with Satan incarnate and it happened every time without fail. I would get these web people on the phone because for all their non-responsiveness or never answers emails or never picks up their phone and never called back. As soon as the next web person calls and says, I need the file so I can take over, they're on that in about two seconds, which says, first of all, they're happy to be away from that client. Then we get them on the telephone. We hear a story that's just ever so slightly different from what the client was telling me. And that was kind of my uh, baptism by fire and my on-the-job training in terms of recognizing somebody who views things in terms of absolutes and somebody who puts labels on things. And by doing so, injects a lot of negativity, which is the opposite of happiness, into the workplace. So I think we've almost halfway answered the next question here. Um, Can one negative person influence an entire working environment? Uh, I'd like to take it a little bit further. Can one negative idea influence an entire workplace?
1: Well, we can, if that negative idea is um, said often enough, suggested often enough, made loud enough in terms of who's saying it, Yes, it is. A, it's a it's a known fact that if the negative personality, the complainer, the critic, and you, you see the words I'm using here, there are different types of negativity. One can be passive aggressive. One can be a complainer. One can be a critic. Right. One can be um, a, a, a self pitying party. Uh, those are all forms of negativity. They are all toxic, Adam. And and um, in that respect, when hiring, even a, in a virtual situation, uh, because ultimately we as people communicate who we are, whether it's virtually or otherwise. Obviously you'll see much more f- uh, clearly and faster if someone is in front of you. But you'll you'll start knowing through email responses or lack thereof, what kind of person you're dealing with in terms of right. how they how they relate to you, whether it's a form of politeness, courtesy, respect,
0: what right. language
1: they use. All that is going to come through in an email, as much as it would if they were standing in front of you. Um, and I, I I I myself before I started research here. Um, had no idea how incredibly um, important it is to have positive people on your team, people who are not, you know, they don't necessarily have to be Pollyannas, they can be very, they can be realists, Uh, but there is also an attitude of let's go for it, engagement uh, zest, enthusiasm—that's coming through, and that is absolutely crucial to making your workplace effective.
0: Yeah, I think there's some really great, there's some really great points there. So, uh, I mean, this may be self-evident, but there may be something more to this. I think we know there's a correlation between productivity and happy employees or happy. Team members. I think that this translates in some way to well, you have somebody on your team, or you engage somebody for a project, or what have you, and they either come through or they don't. Uh, what is that correlation?
1: It's huge. And let me state uh, you a number of stats here, Adam. And those of you who are trying to convince maybe there's somebody else who isn't buying into this whole happiness shtick, take down these stats, and um, you'll have more of a you'll have more of a value add when you're citing your argument. According to Gallup in 2008, and this is uh, these are American stats, 300 to 400 billion dollars each year are lost through lack of productivity. Now, if we move this into more of the individual or the employee realm, it's already been uh, studied that 74% of happiness, in other words, of people being happy is correlated with productivity. Now you can segue that to what I've just talked about, the $300 to $400 billion loss. And then uh, a final point I wanted to make, Adam, 70% of American employees are now disengaged or actively disengaged. And what I mean by that is their dis, D-I-S, hyphen, engaged. In other words, they're not engaged, and by that I mean they're bored. Um, right. And that's, a, that's another uh, characteristic to be aware of, that if an employee is bored, and whether they have the wrong kind of work, there's not enough work, it's work that um, they're disinterested in, These are aspects to their employment that, again, are very necessary to examine. You may have a very bright and enthusiastic employee, but if they are doing tasks or activity that are not uh, up their alley or not giving them a sense of, of purpose or zest, then no matter how bright they are, no matter how skillful they are, in fact, no matter how even happy they are, they will become less happy and they will become bored if, they're, if what they're doing is not uh, f- making them feel, uh, f- feel uh, engaged or enthusiastic.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, I- I've been there myself. When I was in the corporate world, I worked for three different companies over that eight year period. And the, the same thing happened in all three cases. I started out uh, super enthusiastic. I was ready to take on the world. I was ready to to grab this thing and go. I mean, I was uh, sitting uh, through the trainings or the mentoring or what have you that came first uh, was sort of a, you know, I think I was like halfway shaking in my seat thinking, all right, all right, this is great. I'm ready to go out there and I'm ready to do this. And it didn't happen overnight. It was usually a series of Events, a series of messages, a series of conversations that just progressively chipped away at that. And let me know a couple different things. First of all, uh, how many times we heard the phrases, you're just the or you're just a saying, which basically means, well, you're way down here in the position chart. So what you do actually in the end isn't all that important because we don't pay you that much for it or uh, your four levels of report below this. Uh, that's one message that comes up. Another thing that happens, and I see this happen way too often in customer service departments, and this is where every entrepreneur and every business creator needs to listen to the next thing is about to say. I have dealt so many times with customer service departments where the people were stuck in the middle between the angry customer and the management who just didn't care or They didn't come out and say they didn't care, but they made it clear that they weren't really planning to address the problem. I'm going to give you, Keita, if you'll give me the flexibility to do so, an example that's been coming up lately in in more and more of our interviews here on Business Creators Radio Show. I, I had a web hosting company I dealt with for several years and things went really good with them for the first few years, and then there were some corporate changes, and suddenly things started happening. Uh, the servers started going down a lot. Uh, the responsiveness of tech support uh, seemed to go from being super evangelistic and awesome to kind of like, well, we're just here playing by the numbers. And then I also started to notice a trend where for the first few years, it felt like I was always speaking with the exact same three or four people It got to the point where almost every time I opened that chat box, because my website was down again, uh, I was speaking with a different person, Mm -hmm. a different name that I didn't recognize before. That's another symptom I saw. And uh, I'll tell you one case specifically is I knew, because I know enough about this stuff, that there was something wrong with the servers that my websites were sitting on. And I would tell them, I would give them the evidence based on what I know about how this stuff works, to say, I really think that the server this is on is about to crash. And they would say, servers are fine. Don't bring this up again. It's your WordPress. Stop using plugins and other stuff like that. Well, finally, uh, one of my service launches got slammed shut because just when we were about to open the doors, uh, the websites on the server all went down. And, and I was told very quickly, oh, we expect this to take two or three days to fix because our servers crashed. And the first thing I said was, I told you so. And I'm thinking, why were you lying to me when you knew all along there was a problem? Why were you trying to blame me for something I knew wasn't true when I was trying to tell you something that based on years of experience that I knew was true? And here's, here's what I did. There's a website called glassdoor.com where employees of companies, in addition to customers and companies, go and they post their experiences either working for them or working with them. And I found some of the same tech support reps who were handing me all this stuff about how my WordPress plugins were the problem. They were saying, you know, uh, we have these servers that are crashing all the time. They're ancient and they're brittle. And we tell management management doesn't do anything. Now, I'm going to give you a theory here, and I want you to either support it or tear it apart, or tell me what's going on here. I think what happened is these um, is these people on the front line would go to management and say, look, you know what, I've had five customers say to me that, uh, that the servers aren't working well, there's not enough memory, seems like their websites are crashing. I looked at the websites myself. They're doing everything right. What's going on here, and can we do something about these servers? And management probably did that thing as the rep was speaking, you are know, like waving their hands in the air, like saying, stop, 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 and they're saying – have we checked on what this customer has done with their website? Are we asking the customer these questions? What are we doing to make sure the customer is following the rules? So, so the management didn't outright say lie to the customer, but what they were saying is, We're not interested in the part where the customer thinks there's a problem. We need to keep pushing this back on the customer. So then we have the customer service rep in the middle. They know one thing's true, and they're being ping-ponged between the furious customer who's tired of their sites being down 20 times a week and management that just wants to blame it on the customer and has said, in not so many words, don't ask us about servers again.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, well, basically the customer service person is between a rock and a hard place. Right. Are probably the most miserable uh, status, if you want to call it that, that an employee can have because all, all the things that they would need and want as a, a happy employee are missing. And I right. wanted to just, can I go into that now, Adam? Do you want me to, or do you want me to that, just? That's,
0: that's that's why I brought this up, because I know that when we were telling folks about this interview coming up on Business Creators Radio Show, this was something that a lot of our most avid listeners came back to me with and specifically asked if I could get from you. So please, this is exactly yes. what we're here for. Bring it on. Okay.
1: I'm bringing it on, because there right. are traits, there are characteristics or factors that drive somebody's contentment and happiness at work, and we're going to use that customer service agent as, as the individual, and, and we're going to obviously say they're very unhappy between a rock and a hard place. And right. why is that, Adam? There are five things, five factors that drive an employee to be happy or unhappy, and these five things are the following. And you'll be surprised to know what they are. And we'll go into the explanation after we talk about them. The number one, or one of them, is status. So, and we'll, I'll get back to these. The second one is certainty. The third one is autonomy. The fourth one is relatedness. And the last one is fairness. So the acronym for these five is called SCARF. And I should, I want to reference that back to David Rock, R-O-C-K, who wrote uh, the book, uh, Your Brain at Work in 2009 HarperCollins. If I would recommend any book for an owner employer to read or to at least get a, a, you know, get some stuff out of it, it's a, it's a great book because it analyzes how the brain patterns are working in order, or not so much in order, as to why a person behaves the way they do or why a person responds the way they, they do. And these five factors have been identified as the key factors of, of motivation or threat. You can put it either way, depending on what's, what's there and what isn't there at all. So if we go to the first one, status. Now, that's not to say that somebody uh, wants uh, an office in the corner with a window, but status also relates to the idea of having a certain amount of acknowledgement, of having a certain amount of respect. So Because status is all about how do you stand with your colleagues and how do you stand with the boss. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to have all this stuff um, it is supposed to mean how are you treated. If we go to the right. second one, certainty. Certainty is basically knowing what's happening next. In other words, if that customer service agent goes back to the boss and says, gives the question or says, this issue has come up, they're assuming that issue is going to be fixed. But you know right. what? Their certainty is completely. Uh, undone by the fact that every time they come back with the same issue, first of all, it still exists, and nothing's being done about it. So their level of certainty in being able to rely on what the company stands for or rely on what they're selling or rely on what they're telling their customers is totally uh, in question. So their certainty, and in this case, it's a total threat for them because they're not getting any form of assurance. The next one is autonomy. Does this customer service agent have the means to say, I know there's an issue, and I know we're working on it? In other words, that the customer service agent can make uh, sole or individual decisions to drive the satisfaction of the customer, but also gain satisfaction for themselves because they are given the independence and the authority. Autonomy is also very tied to authority to actually do your job and do it well. Because if the authority isn't there and there's no independence of action, in other words, they have to literally come back to somebody and ask permission or get get the keys to whatever to be able to open something because they need a signature from somebody, When in fact, you know, as an adult, perhaps they could do this themselves. I mean, I'm using a very, um, very facile example, but sometimes that is the case. Processes sometimes are so, perhaps archaic or old-fashioned, or have been around for so long that they no longer fit the movement, the speed, the necessity of how the organization needs to perform. And employees right. being able to pick up on it, they are stymied. They're, they're held back by perhaps traditional or outdated processes. If we go to the next one, relatedness, that basically deals with of fitting in. An employee wants to fit in. If, for instance, um, again, a hypothetical example, perhaps somebody who's... Um, Spanish has come into an all-Anglo-Saxon environment. And so they desperately want to fit in, and there's a little bit of tension. So in one sense, it would be up to the owner or up to the workplace policy, diversity in HR, whatever the case may be, to be able to engage that new employee to make them feel welcome at home. Obviously, those who would be welcoming the employee would also have a form of initiation or training or orientation in terms of, of dealing with with um, immigrant uh... new immigrants coming into the workplace i'm using that just as an example adam and it's a very uh... direct uh... example but in terms of fitting in and being one of the team it's crucial so that if somebody for instance maybe there's somebody who has uh, hygiene, uh, hygiene problems, and they're not being addressed. Right. And so people, other people on the shop floor are avoiding them uh, because um, no one's told them. Perhaps they come from an environment where they either can't afford or are totally unaware um, that their hygiene is an issue. I had that, ex- I had that experience in one of my situations it was a call center, and uh the young fellow who was engaged um had a quite a uh, quite a difficult uh time with hygiene. He was eventually fired he was let go right because um even though there were private sessions with him in terms of how to and why and in a very delicate way in a very uh assuring way uh eventually and he did not follow through he was either unable to or chose not to and right. had to be let go so you can see um these kind of issues can be very basic ones adam and uh, right. but the, but they have to be addressed so that whole aspect of relatedness and then in, in this fellow's exam, uh, case he ve- he he was he was ostracized and it wasn't because people didn't like him um, it It ended up being uh, what i've mentioned earlier, and again a very a very um, very sensitive topic, a very sensitive issue. but you can see when these things happen Adam they have to be addressed so being part right. of a group and feeling part of a group in all ways is important and the last one, and perhaps um, also very key is fairness in other right. words what What's the consistency and constancy of guidelines and rules and expectations in the workplace you're in, whether you are there as uh, a manager, whether you're there as an employee? I think every human being, no matter where they are, wants to be treated fairly. Right. And there's, there's almost a, uh, it's a, um, an, an intuitiveness we have, an animal uh, instinct we have about somebody being treated fairly or not. You know yeah. how it happens sometimes. You can be in a situation, and let's say somebody, um, you know, has some harsh word, words with someone else, and in, and you know intrinsically that, that they were unfair. How do you feel? You feel crummy for that person.
0: Yes. Yeah. And,
1: and again, if... If that is not treated with care, that constancy, consistency, then you can see the fallout here, not only for the individual who perhaps is being treated unfairly, but you have all the other employees, all the colleagues going, ah, how could that happen? What if it happens to me next? And so there is...
0: Yep, and this is not just workplaces. This is virtual teams, too. I have seen it. I have been the recipient of it, unfortunately, actually, where um, you have the business owner who decides they have it out for... One person on the team. Now, maybe the first time around, everybody's watching what happens and watches this person gets run out of town, and they say, "Well, they were kind of a moron. They were kind of a they were kind of a dweeb. They didn't fit in." I'm just using the language that people use. I don't necessarily believe any of this stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know, the fact is, the fact is, there were a couple times where we were kind of wondering where they were, and it seemed like they were falling behind on the work. So, the first time or two. They say, you know what, yeah, the the business owner probably made the right decision. Then they see it happen to another person. They're thinking, okay, maybe this person has some very high standards. Maybe the third time it happens, it happens to that other person on the team that was closest to them, and they know the situation. They're saying, wait a minute, something's not right. Or they say, I've been here for six months and three people have already been run off. You know, i better make sure this client doesn't become too big of a percentage of my revenue here because sooner or later I'm going to find myself on the, the outside looking in. Uh, I don't think we need to go much further to explain what happens next.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, those are the five, and, um, again, I'll repeat them, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness, and they add up to an acronym called SCARF, um, which is basically the the outcome of a lot of studies um, with the brain uh, using neuroscience and the fact again I might maybe I'll segue into this a little bit uh, Adam Uh, we all know that we have habits and we have uh, things rituals traditions that we do and the more we do do them the more that behavior is set in fact it can become if you like set in stone so the patterns that we use through behavior are actually being our pathways in our brain and these pathways are the neurons uh... moving together and firing together and if they're fired along at that, in that same path uh... for a long long time they're embedded that's how we develop our habits and they're very hard to change Uh, again for those of you who are listening and wondering, gee, you know there's lots to do here, yes there is but that's not to say that you start with all ten things. You start with right. one thing. You start with just one thing, and perhaps it becomes a priority for three months. Maybe it's uh, talking about uh, having a meeting once a week, having everybody there, and, and finally breaking the ice, uh, bringing the whole workplace or whoever belongs on that team to that meeting uh so that people can finally meet one another, they can finally realize what other projects are going on, uh, understand a little bit the whole puzzle of the workplace rather than their little tiny piece of the puzzle because that too can be a disenfranchisement. That too can cause one to feel uh, not related on the exterior, on the periphery. So that may be just the call for, okay, we're going to have a meeting once a week and try to, uh, try to uh, render this whole place a little more cogent, a little more cohesive. That could right. be a start. It could be the boss coming in and deciding, I'm going to smile from now on and say hello to every employee that I walk past. Maybe. Oh,
0: it- oh, oh, I am sorry to interject here, but I have to because <laughs> I. There's this company I worked for for four or five years, and uh, this wasn't everybody in senior management, but there were two members of senior management in particular that if you would attempt to acknowledge them while they're walking through the hallway, they would make sure you caught the part where they looked the other way and didn't acknowledge you. And then you have the CEO of the company saying, well, you know, we'd like to acknowledge you more, but we just really don't have time, and uh, that's kind of as it should be. Now I was sitting in the room when he said this, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, you know, guy, up until about five seconds ago, people were listening to you. You should look around the room and just notice how eyes dropped, uh, phones came out of pockets, papers got fidgeted. You just lost every single person in the room. Yeah. And he just did not see because he was so wrapped up in his own story. He did not see by I think what he meant, I think what he meant to say was know that we appreciate you and we value you every day. It's just we're so fast-paced. We don't always have the time to come over to your cubicle individually and shake your hand and thank you. But the way he phrased it made everybody feel, oh, okay, so we're just numbers here. That's good. I'm going to check my resume when I get home tonight.
1: hmm Well, it's not a, it's not a, a surprise then, Adam, uh, when there is that kind of disconnect. And, right. And uh, if one were going to talk about, uh, any form of, of rapprochement, of, of coming together, then there has to be a reaching out. There has to be a reaching out on, on behalf of, of, of the owner, the CEO, uh, management. And, of course, uh, there has to be a response from uh, the employee level. So it, it takes two. It takes two right. to actually drive the success of a company.
0: Right, and that's a perfect segue because now I want to spend a few minutes because there are probably people out there who are listening to this, uh, some of our business creators, who are thinking, you oh, know, it seem to have the same pattern with clients. Things seem to go nowhere very fast. So they start off burning white hot and then it gets cold really quick. Or why does it seem I have so many previous clients and why are all clients jerks? What do they need to do uh, and what do we all need to be aware of as business creators to put ourselves in situations where we become the top ROI provider, the one who can go into any team situation, you know, relatively speaking, any workplace, what have you, and deliver several times the turn-on investment for every dollar they pay us?
1: Good question. And at the risk of, of sounding, uh, I'm, I'm not naive when I say this, what is perhaps more crucial than actually the work you do for someone it is the relationship that you
0: build. Right.
1: It is the confidence you instill. The higher, bigger, <laughs> greater mm-hmm. confidence you instill in a client, Adam, the better the client they will be. In other words, you are giving through your expertise, exper- uh, experience, and advice, you are giving others permission to relax. You are giving others permission to let go of the strain and the stress of that particular task, of that particular activity, of that particular project, because through your interaction with them, you have gained their confidence and their trust to be able to say, I can do this for you. And not only can I do it for you, but I can do it well. But the doing, the implementing cannot happen until that relationship building has, uh, has taken place, until the, the prospect says yes. And once you have the yes, then obviously as the person who has a client, it is absolutely your responsibility to, uh, to nurture and to strengthen that relationship, not ride on it, not render it passive, not right. assume it's always going to be there. I can't, I can't underline enough the importance of relationship, especially in this 24-7 world where a gadget has more power than maybe even the words of a person speaking live. Right. If you can talk to people face-to-face or by phone and they sense an interested. A sympathetic, an engaged, uh, and, abs- and, in- and me- me- more more so than anything else, an interested human being, then chances are you're going to get the account, and they will be, right. as I say, very very happy that they've got your that they've got your ear that, that they have someone they can talk to, someone they can sound off with.
0: And, you know, that's kind of interesting because that's actually a pretty big part of what I do in business is we do, we call them brainstorming sessions, but what it really boils down to is we both, you know, myself and my client will get on Skype and uh, and they'll just kind of have me present while they work on the things in their business, whether it's uh, generating sales copy and getting instant feedback on it or uh, putting together an email campaign or just going over some strategy stuff together where on the one hand you may look at my role and you may be thinking, what's Adam doing? He's just sitting there listening and occasionally saying, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's that sense of I think what you call relatedness, if I'm saying this correctly, where Mm -hmm. the client can look at that and say, look, I have somebody here who's making sure I get this done, who's there to give me instant feedback. And if I didn't have them on the telephone with me right now, I didn't have them on Skype with me right now, I would probably be looking for more things to like and comment on on Facebook, and I'd be getting nowhere with my business. But because I have this person who needs me to do this and do it well so they can do what they need to do for me and do it well, I'm happy to pay just for them to sit here with me.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you used a really key word that I have not mentioned, but, again, it is very much uh, tied into my last comment about uh about being there for the for the client in terms of building the relationship. If you could be that great listener, Adam, the, the 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 one and only listener for that client, you will have that client for life. Right. It's it's again, it's it's the sounding board. It's taking the time. Do you remember we can go right back to the beginning of this conversation we talked about money and time and i said yes. that money is not the end be in and end all it's helpful but i said time is most important and we're going to bring it right into this right now if you give people your time they will give you they will give you their business
0: which means money. So there's a new relationship between time and money. You give, the, you give people your time. And I think what you're saying here, and let me just make sure I hear you correctly, Keith, is we're not just talking about, well, they're paying for an hour, I'm giving them an hour. It's not, that's not the mindset we're looking for. What we're looking for is we're giving them time in the sense that we're giving them a piece of ourselves. We're giving them a window to us. We're giving them a chance with us so that uh, they can relate to us, so they can see that we're there to help, they can see that we're there to support them, and we allow ourselves to be in a situation where they can accept the type of support that they need. And it's not measured by the hour. It's not measured by the minute. It's measured in terms of return on investment.
1: Yeah, and dare I say this, Adam, and there's nothing wrong with this. There will be times, for instance, that let's say you're meeting somebody for coffee and they're looking into, let's use web services, and after right. the, the meeting, um, they pass. And it may, have, may not have anything to do with your expertise, with how you've positioned yourself, with uh, the extent of, of what um, offerings you may have. It may have everything to do with what I call personality fit. Okay. And 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 personality fit, and this can happen in terms of engaging someone too. Personality fit is a, is a, is a mysterious thing. There's a, sometimes, even though the, that person or even you, depending on what side of the coin you're sitting, may have all the aspects, may have all the characteristics in terms of a, a reasonable presentation. But for right. whatever reason, and I'll use this, the chemistry isn't there. You're, you guys are just not jiving together. And right. and I don't, you know, if, I mean, obviously, if that's happening, you know, five of five times, then obviously there, that merits investigation. But yes. once in a while, uh, there'll be a there'll be a, a even a, not so much a coldness, but there'll be a lack of connection, a lack of energy between between you and and whoever it is, whether it's a prospect, whether it's a client uh whether it's a, a co-owner you're you're investigating whatever there will be that lack of energy that connectivity something will be missing you may not even be able to put your finger on it but right. i think it's really important to listen to that it's really important to listen to that because that may also it defines a little bit more about what is you but it also can can simply uh give you that Not this guy, this person, this girl is not – they're not a keeper. There's something not working here.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and and I've said myself many times, when it comes to making business decisions, if it's not hell, yes – it's hell no, and that's not meant to be negative in any way. It just could be that, you know, on paper, this prospect could look like a perfect client for me. Uh, they could have all the numbers. They could be asking for the exact type of stuff that we do, and our conversation about things could have been very pleasant. But then when I think about it, I sleep on it or whatever, and I think, you know, I'm not 100% on this. Then I just I just got to say not now. I mean, and and that's sometimes a harsh way of looking at it, but it also – as I like to say, by saying no sometimes, you create somebody else's yes is how yeah. I like to look at this now.
1: Yeah, and the fact of the matter is both of you can be very happy people.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's, like, it's like getting together, uh, you know, uh, I went out, okay, I'll use myself. Going out with a great guy, a very wonderful guy, but yeah. he's not the guy I'm going to marry or maybe be with. Yeah. But he's a wonderful guy. Uh, yeah and you don't know because, and you
0: don't know why either sometimes either, but you just know it's not a hundred percent and the thing is you could even like the guy i mean and and I have people who are great friends of mine who uh who will never be clients of mine because I know that that would wreck everything and I also have people I don't particularly like who are great clients
1: exactly exactly so it's that possible. So that I, I think that's really important to uh point out here uh that you know human nature is human nature and de- even with with what has been given in the in the course of this uh, conversation, uh the statistics, the quantifiables, the the factors, the attributes all we're still people. We're still there's sti- still a mystery about us. And that sometimes is actually the spice of life because sometimes you're thinking, ah, this isn't gonna work or you know, right. I'll take a chance on this or whatever and the next thing you know you've got a gold mine. Uh for whatever reasons, um uh, serendipity happens and, uh, and, and the, and the company is growing by leaps and bounds. And I bet you there are some of you out there where that has happened. And it may yeah. not in business, but maybe in a personal relationship, friendship, uh, maybe there was something at school that happened, whatever. Uh, right. But, but that's why I like life. That's why I do what I do, Adam.
0: Uh, exactly.
1: Because I'm, 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 I may be able to guide and advise and use my own experience and expertise but you know what life's still magic there's that magic in it that <laughs> that that I'm not even going to begin to say that I can answer and I'm so glad I can't
0: Exactly, exactly. So you know what? Um, Incredibly, we're actually at the top of the hour here, and we have about 90 seconds left. So Kita Spock, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. In just 30 seconds real quick, I want to turn this over to you and just let our listeners know, uh, if they find themselves on the edge of their seats wanting to know more about this, um, how how they can reach out.
1: Okay, my uh, website, of course, Kita Spock, that's K-I-T-A. SZPAK, S-Z-P-A-K.com. I also have an upcoming Happiness Success Formula Telesummit. Get to my great. website. HappinessandSuccessForYou.com is the actual landing site. HappinessandSuccessForYou.com, all one word. And you register, you're going to hear 21 experts, some of which will speak even more in detail about workplace. So it would be a great, uh, another great learning uh, tool for you.
0: Awesome, awesome. And, and Keita, I want to thank you again for an incredible interview here. I mean, it's very rare that we run this close to the hour, but uh, you just had so many good things to say. I wanted to squeeze out a little extra time for you to do that. So, Keita, once again, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My absolute pleasure, Adam. Thank you.
0: Yep. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And be sure to listen and discover how our guest experts can help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until then, have a great day. We'll see you next time. Take care.